Amen. Praise God. Welcome you at the house of the Lord. Uh, let me open us up in a word of prayer. Let us all pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I pray, God, that you would watch over us and strengthen us. I pray, God, that you would guide this service in the direction that pleases you, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we wrestle in this life and also as we wrestle with you, Lord, when we wrestle against you, God, we will lose every time. And as we lose, when we understand that it is not weakness, but it is your grace that is sufficient for us in our weakness. So, God, we surrender our lives to you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And I pray, God, that you watch over us here today, that you strengthen us here today. And I pray that our ears will be open. May our hearts receive the word you have in store for us this very morning slash afternoon. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you transform our lives and lead us in the direction that is sanctified, a life that has been justified in Christ. And as you transition to the message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O God. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 All right, let's all take our seat at this time. And let's begin our service and continue our service with the message. The title of today's message is Real Faith, Part 2, Humility in Action. And we're going to be continuing on in the series of Real Faith. Last week, the title was Faith in Action, and today is Humility in Action. Amen and amen. All right, with that, let's begin with our main scripture found here today, James chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. James 1, 9 through 11. This is a section that I skipped over last week as I was going over James 1. I want to focus on this section, and the word humility is going to show up all throughout the book of James. And with that, let's begin our reading. It says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms falls, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Let me begin with this, with point number one. Point number one is this. I just want you to understand, regardless of the status of your life or the background of your family or where you come from or how you feel about yourself, I just want to remind you here today. Let me first start off with this, and this is very important. Is number one, you are dignified. Whenever we see a homeless individual or someone who is down and about in a difficult situation, 
I pray that the first thing that will come out of our lips is a word of encouragement. We remind them of their worth. We start with, we tell them, you are dignified. Because the poor, we are often overlooked. We are frowned upon. We are looked down upon. However, the kingdom of God, as it says here, is the upside-down kingdom, point A. So point letter A. The kingdom of God is the upside-down kingdom. We need to understand that the kingdom of God does not function like the kingdom of this earth. The kingdom of God, so point A, is the upside-down kingdom. It says here, believers in humble circumstances, out of what? Take pride in their high position. Why would you take pride of your humble circumstances? Meaning, when you're in a place of humiliation, you should feel proud of your high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. Why does it say that? Look at Matthew 5.3. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit? Are you sure, Jesus? Are you sure, God, that's what you mean? For what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. James 2.5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are what? Not rich, but poor in the eyes of this world. In the eyes of the world, to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom, he promised those who what? Who love him. So the kingdom of God is what? Letter A is the upside down kingdom. Before that, you could write the kingdom of God equals or colon. The kingdom of God is what? The upside down kingdom. Letter B, the utmost kingdom. We learn from Scripture over and over and over again that the kingdom of God is the utmost kingdom. There's no other kingdom greater than the kingdom of God. And as Christians, our kingdom is not for the propelling of this world's kingdom, of a flag, of an earthly flag, of earthly citizenship. But the goal of the Christian is that we propel the kingdom of God. We fo- our focus, our sole focus as a Christian individual, as a church, is to propel and to focus in the kingdom of God. Because our lives as Christians, we should be centered. Our, our, the kingdom of God, our lives are centered around His kingdom, is centered around the kingdom of God. That's what Paul says in Philippians 1, 27. He says, above all, you must live as what? Citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. Conducting ourselves, yourselves, in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good News and the focus here is the citizen of heaven. Paul goes on in chapter 3, Philippians 3.20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, to set your minds on things, what? Above, which is the citizen of heaven, the kingdom of heaven as a citizen of heaven, not on earthly things. Colossians 3, 2. Paul is reminding us over and over again that the kingdom of God is the utmost 
kingdom, the utmost. Now let us see. It's the holy kingdom. It's the holy kingdom. And I didn't use the word holiest because it cannot be compared. Our society, all throughout history, people have been in search for ancient kingdoms. They want to go to space to create new kingdoms on Mars or in search for new kingdoms, maybe possibly aliens. It's all frivolous, useless, worthless, waste of time because we understand, again, B and C, the utmost kingdom, and C is the holy kingdom. When we come to church, we need to understand that we are showing reverence to the living God. That's why it says in Exodus 3, 5, God tells Moses, do not come any closer. God said what? Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. What does it mean to take off your sandals? It's showing a sign of submission, sign of reverence. It's saying, Lord, I submit to you, for you are a holy God. And God goes on, he says in verse 14 of Exodus 3, he says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So the holiness of God makes us all equals. What do I mean by that? That we are all beings that should submit to him. And when we submit to him, we are all equals. There's no one greater or lesser. We are all under his holy presence. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that you are unworthy. We are unworthy. It is by the grace of God, the working of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, that makes you worthy to be able to enter his holy presence. So when we repent and we humble ourselves, we are able to enter his holy presence. And that's what we remind people, broken people, people who are undergoing trials, who have been often overlooked, frowned upon, and looked down upon. We remind them, number one, you are dignified. And your goal right now is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is, letter A, the upside-down kingdom. If you're poor, you're rich. If you're in a position where you are rich, be careful, be careful, but that does not guarantee you entering the kingdom of God. Let it be the almost kingdom. Let us see the holy kingdom. Let's continue on. Point number two, you are fleeting. James is reminding us that our lives are finite. It is fleeting as each day passes. We're growing older, and we're growing closer to our final breath. So in verse 10, it says, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. 
So flowers in Israel, it will blossom in February, and by May, it will wither away quickly. So that's a very short time. And why it's such a short time is because it's to show us that the beauty of this life, life is finite. It is precious. You are here today, and literally you are gone the next. So, so point letter A, we need to learn to embrace humiliation. And at this point, I'm going to stay on this for a little bit. And what do I mean by humiliation? It means being embarrassed. It means lowering our pride, lowering ourselves, being humiliated. At times in life, humiliation is needed, especially when we are very proud. At times, humiliation is very good for the soul. At times, humiliation brings us from a place of pride to a place of humility, and that is a good thing. And with the word humiliation, I want to tie this in with wrestling. Wrestling, everyone who have wrestled or are wrestling, they understand the concept. When I say wrestling, I'm talking about grappling or wrestling, using your body one against one, not one against three, but one against one. You understand that it is very different from any other sport. It is very different from basketball. It is very different from soccer. It is different from striking. This is a sport that has been passed down from generation to generation. And every generation, every society, have, people have wrestled. So when we wrestle, we understand the concept that there is no other physical activity as grueling as wrestling. So to prove my point, if you ever wrestle with a little kid or with your friend, even for like 30 seconds, you understand how tiring it is and how much you lose your breath. And why, why wrestling is humiliation, why wrestling is needed in this life is because wrestling brings us back to reality real quick, that I am not that good, that I am not very strong, that there is always someone who is stronger, faster, and when you get pinned, there will be nothing more humiliating than that. Everyone is watching you, you get pinned, it is the worst type of feeling. And oftentimes, we pursue success, wealth, power, riches, strength, winning. We see that as the prime success. And we do not like to show our weaknesses. Therefore, we do not like to wrestle. We do not like to show our vulnerability, our anxiety, our doubt. But life catches up to every single individual. And the harshness and the reality of life comes up to us and it catches up to us. And when it catches up to us, we are left humiliated. And when we wrestle in this life, it is good to lose. It is good to be pinned. And I want to use Jacob as a good example for this analogy. Is there wrestling in the Bible? Yes, there is. In Genesis 32, Verse 22 to 32, 
This is where Jacob, the main character, is described as the heel grabber and heel catcher. Bregner describes this wrestling match as this. He describes this match as the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God in his book, The Magnificent Defeat. So pretty much the whole premise of the book and the whole premise of the story that's found in Genesis 32 is that wrestling with God is an impossible act and that we will lose every time. That when we wrestle with God, we are back, we're brought back to reality. That no amount of studying, listening, and reading will transform you as much as wrestling with God. In other words, when we wrestle with God, we must come to God face to face with the reality of my life. And we wrestle Him. And wrestle, you shall. You know, I struggled with this passage for many years. I'm still struggling with this. And I'm still studying this passage, Genesis 32, verse 22 to 32. But I want to give you an up-to-date of my thought of what it means to wrestle with God. So when I read this passage, you know, this is how I think that in life, that as I or as you find yourself in a place of humiliation, that it's okay. It is okay. Because all of us, we are all imperfect beings, full of many flaws. But when we wrestle with God, you must leave that place defeated. We cannot win over God. When we wrestle with God, again, as you wrestle, like, in, re- in real life, as you wrestle with someone bigger and stronger and faster, you realize anything you try, single leg, double leg, whatever you try to do, it will not work. You will be defeated and humiliated. And with God, that will happen every time. True Christianity starts when you wrestle with God and you are left defeated and you are left with a limp. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were what? Harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fear within. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, meaning prideful, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of sin, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And the lesson here is that when we are defeated and humiliated, we must seek the Lord even more. And here is a story in Genesis 32, 22, 32. It says, Jacob wrestles with God. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the floor of the Jebel. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Why is this important? 
The context is he's about to see his brother Esau for the first time after many years after betraying him. And he is afraid that his brother Esau is going to kill him and hurt him and bring harm to his family. And it says, for the first time in his life, right, Jacob is a rich man. He has a lot of possessions. He is wealthy. For the first time, he has nothing but himself. All of his possessions are gone. The people around him are gone. It says in verse 24, so Jacob was what? Left alone by himself. And it says, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hips so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face. I mean, he wrestled God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Again, hip is a very intimate, private area of his life. Unless God touches you in your intimate place you will never have a new name a new identity you'll always walk with pride thinking that you are the God of your own life but when we see God face to face and we wrestle him and when he touches our hip the most intimate place of our life we are left with a limp and that is that weakness that Paul talks about here in 2 Corinthians 12. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We understand the hip is the intimate part of our life. And when we wrestle with God, God will touch you there. It could be your arm. It could be something, it could be anything. A relationship, your smarts, your gifts. He may take it away. And then what do I have? I have God. My identity is not found on my gifts or on the monetary money that I have, that I've saved up, that I've worked hard for. My honor. My badge of honor is my limp because the limp reminds me that I am weak. In this life, that when I wrestle with God, I will always leave losing. I can never overcome God. I pray that you will never overcome God because if you overcome God, that's a very dangerous place. You wrestle with God and you're so strong, right? You're so good and you overcome the master, 
that's not a good place to be. First of all, that will never happen, right? You will never go up to the master and win. You see people who try to confront the master or the coach and say, hey, I could beat you, and then they end up losing, getting humiliated. But if you're ever in a place where you can overcome the master, that's a very bad place to be. That means your heart has gone too far, too proud. Even if God were to touch your life, you will never be humiliated. And that's what happened with Pharaoh. And that's what happened with Judas. So when we're left with a limp, we take this as a badge of honor. In other words, only when we are truly broken, we shall see God face to face. Before this event, Jacob was very proud. Right? His name was heel grabber. Right? He is a liar, a deceiver. He did everything in his own power to make it happen. But for the first time in his life, he had to surrender to God. He was left alone. He wrestled with God. And he realized he cannot overcome. And he tried, but God touched him in the hip and he, accept, and he accepted the defeat. And therefore, he was able to see God face to face. But when you're in a place of pride and comfort, you will rarely see God. When things are easy, you will rarely see God. But when you're humble and when you're broken, when you are in need, when you're broken in spirit, you will see the Lord. Psalm 34, 17 to 18, it says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to what? To the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So again, letter A, learn to embrace humiliation. Going back to our point, you are fleeting. Therefore, learn to embrace humiliation. Because even if you live in pride your whole life, strong your whole life, how long do you think that will last you? Eventually, the strong will become weak because our body will not allow us. Our bodies are decaying. It's aging. And we will not live strong forever. So again, learn to embrace humiliation. It is good for the soul. Let it be. Learn to receive correction. You have to learn to learn to receive correction. We do not like to be corrected. But the Bible teaches us that correction is good for the soul. The correct way to learn what is truly right is to accept corrections from God. If not, all of your projects in life are doomed to fail. Your, best, your boss is telling you to fix it. He's teaching you. He's correcting you. And you refuse to learn, you'll be fired. <laughs> There's no other way around it. Learn to receive correction. Let us see. Learn to repent. And this is something that we've gone over, over and over again in our church. So I'm not going to stay on this long. In other words, learn from your mistakes. That's what I'm trying to say. Learn from your mistakes. 
and walk in a new path that pleases the Lord, meaning grow and mature in your faith because repentance is a true sign of maturity, is a clear sign that someone is growing and maturing in their faith. How do you know if you're growing? You're repenting before the Lord. Why? Why do we do this? Because, again, as it was mentioned in verse 10, our lives are fleeting. It's like a flower, like as it says in Isaiah 40, verse 6 to 8. It says, a voice says, cry out, and I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. How many times is the word grass mentioned here? Many times. You're like the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of God endures forever. Amen. And amen. So again, point number two, you are fleeting. Point number one, you are dignified. Point number two, you are fleeting. And point number three, and this is going to help tie in the whole message, is you are not that important. You are not that important. You are not that important. That's the reality. Everybody is important nowadays with social media, videos. Everyone is a superstar. But we need to understand that you are not that important. I am not that important. The world does not revolve around us or you. We know about the geocentrism and heliocentrism, right? Helio said what? Geocentrism said what? Geocentrism said that it's a model which states that the earth is at the center, right? They used to think that the earth was a center to everything. So sun, including all the other planets like Plato and other people, they believe that earth was a center of the attention. But Helio, it shows us the reality check is actually the earth is not the center, but the sun is the center. So the reality check for us as Christians, we need to understand that my life is not the center of everything. Christ is the most important person. Even with Trump's interview, right, where he tells a story about him golfing with an old friend, and the old friend, even though he's known him for many years, is a little nervous around them. He's not able to play well. And he says, Trump asks, hey, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? How come you're not playing? As, as well as you used to. So I'm a little nervous around you. Why? Because you're the most famous person in this world right now, in this planet. Everyone knows who you are, and I'm playing with the most famous person. And then Trump, in his interview, what does he say? He says, no, I am not the most famous. He says what? Jesus is the most famous person in this world. So in other words, no person shall trump Christ, right? No pun intended. No person can trump Christ. No idols, no other gods shall trump Christ. 
Why? Because we understand that Jesus is at the center of it all. Just like the song, Jesus at the center of it all, Jesus at the center of it all, from beginning to the end, it will always be and it's always been you, Jesus. Nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do. Jesus, be the center of my life. Be the center of my life from beginning to the end. It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. It's all about you. Jesus, be the center of our church. Jesus, be the center of your church. Every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess you, Jesus, our Lord, our Lord. Amen. And amen. You are not that important. Don't kid yourself. Life will go on without you. But let's be grateful that the Lord extends his hands to work within us in this generation, in this time, to be able to partner with him, to be his managers, his stewards, to do the work that God called us to do. That's why it says in verse 11 of our main scripture, in James 1, it says, For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms, blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Amen. And amen. amen. So, so point letter A, humble yourselves. B, repent of your sins. Let us see, live for Christ. And then D, repeat. It's very simple. It's very simple. I know there are a lot of other varieties in this life details of situations but we need to make sure that our lives are centered around this principle we revolve around God God does not revolve around us you are not the center and here's the key what is the attitude that we must have? The attitude is the vehicle, right? Is what is going to, is how we get to that destination. And in the process, we humble ourselves, we repent, we live for Christ, we repeat. The attitude that you need to have is the people that are around you, right? Because bad attitude kills good company. Your attitude should be of that of gratitude. You have to be grateful. You need to live in gratitude as we do these things for the Lord. As we humble ourselves, as we repent of our sins, as we live for Christ in prison or in death, in trials and testings and in good situations when things are all easy and good and it's peaceful, we do it with an attitude of gratitude. That is the key. And that's how we live in humility. 
What is humility in action? Humility in action is, number one, first and foremost, you are dignified. You are loved. You are forgiven. You have a Father who loves you and cares for you. Therefore, we need to understand that it's the upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is the utmost kingdom. The kingdom of God is the holy kingdom. And the reality check is point two. You are fleeting. Listen to an interview of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He used to be this model of a bodybuilder, right? Someone who was young, who would live forever. He's saying the hardest thing for him is to see him aging. The body that he once had is no longer there anymore. He's embracing defeat, realizing that life catches up to us all. We need to understand that life is fleeting. These plants that we see up here, it is fleeting. Eventually, it will pass away. And we are just like these plants. Therefore, letter A, learn to embrace humiliation. And I use wrestling as an example. When we face God, it's good to be defeated. Wrestling brings us back to reality. B, learn to receive correction. C, learn to repent. And lastly, point three, you are not that important. To teach us that you are not the center of this life. God is the center of all things. He is the beginning and the end. Nothing in between. He is our God and our Lord. But here's the reality. And it's very sad, especially here in this generation in America. You know, if you ever go to a wedding or any event and you meet other people who are Christians, Christians, someone called Christians, I guess we can call ourselves that. All they talk about is the number of people, the programs. You know, what do you do? What is your career? Everything is on the exterior, on the outside, image after image after image. Who this pastor is, what school this person went to. That's the center of the conversation, is how we can elevate ourselves. But the reality is, when we stand before God, we are like Moses. We need to take off our sandals, for we are entering a holy ground. Before God, we are nothing. We are nothing. And we cannot come to God with our accomplishments and our success. And those things are good things and they're blessings in itself. Yes, they are. But it is not the main thing. And that should never be the focus of the Christian life. Our focus is what? It's to elevate Christ and understand that my life revolves around Christ. And Christ is a center. Even my kids, my children, my friendships, everything that I have is centered around Christ. It is not there to please an individual, please a friendship, please somebody that I love or care about. You need to please the one and only, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the book of James is reminding us of this, that you need to humble yourself 
and allow your life to be centered around Christ. Christ needs to be the center of your life. If it's not, then you are wasting your life. There is no purpose to your life. You think that you are making it in this life, but you are not. You are in fact losing because you are overcoming God. How dare we overcome God? He is the creator of this world from the beginning to the end. How dare we overcome Christ? Christ overcomes us. That is the way how it's done. Christ overcomes me. He overtakes me. He outlives me. And he lives in me. I do not outlive God. I cannot overcome God. Just like Jacob, we need to lose. And how do we lose? He touches us in our most intimate place. And what is that intimate place for you? What is it? You need to allow God in, in that intimate space that you have guarded walls with. And when he comes in, Yes, you may walk away with a limp, but hey, I'd rather walk with a limp to eternity, to the kingdom of heaven, to heaven with God, than to walk proud straight down to hell. I pray that we would bring ourselves to a true place of humility. I know it's hard, you know, the people that we interact with at work, people that we see who drive nice vehicles, who have nice houses. I know that everything is geared towards us living a worldly life, right? Being a successful individual in this life. But as Christians, we need to follow Christ as an example in Philippians 2, even Paul, as he struggled with the Lord. And he surrendered his life to God. If you in your life right now can say, I have no rest. As Paul said, we were harassed at every turn. If you feel like you're in a place, even at work or even in your family, you're being harassed and things are not going well for you, conflicts on the outside and within, that is a good sign that the Lord is with you, that the Lord is working within you. Because the devil will leave alone his own. Right? If you're in his team, why would he bother you? It's difficult because you have an enemy that is powerful, that is attacking you. But may we overcome and say, as Paul says in Corinthians 12, In verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. And amen. Amen. It's good to be humiliated. And now a lot of pastors or churches will speak on this topic because it is shameful. Who wants to be humiliated? Sometimes humiliation is good. It's good for the soul. 
But the key is we humble ourselves before we get humiliated. Then you will be humble. <laughs> but humble yourself before you are humiliated. Right now is the time to do it. Not tomorrow, but today. So going back to the topic, to the title, Real Faith. Again, part two, humility in action. It is action. And everything that we mentioned in the points, I pray that it would help us to walk in action with humility. Amen. And amen. amen. And what I would like to do is um, I want to invite the priest team to come up. And what I would like is uh, sing the last song, Nerenom. Uh, and what I would like to do is um, I would like this song to be played like, quietly. Maybe no strumming, uh, but just be comfortable and lead us. And I know that we may not feel as if we want to pray or this is like a, you know, when we're growing up, we seek these emotional moments with God. And you know, we, when we cry, that is a time of blessing. You know, tears are good. It's good for the soul. But more than the emotional aspect of it, we need to come with an act of the will. When I say the act of the will, it means you need to choose today to lay down your life before God. And as the song says, lay down my life and following His way, giving up my pride and shame to devote myself to you. May we understand what that means. And may we pray and worship Him today, surrendering our pride and humbling ourselves and seeking His face. So as we're here today, please I invite you to pray. Even though you may not feel like it, pray. The Lord desires to hear your voice. He desires to hear your heart, for He already knows your heart. You may say, then why do I need to pray? Why do I need to say it? It's more for you. It's for your sake. You need to pray. The Lord already knows what's inside. But when you declare with your mouth and tell Him, Lord, I am weak. Lord, I need you. You are doing something within yourself. You're humbling yourself. You're allowing the Spirit of God to minister to you. You're allowing the Spirit of God to comfort you in your place of brokenness. When you cry out to Him, He will listen. And he hears you. He knows you. He knows your very thought. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And with that, I want to invite the praise team to sing and worship. And let us all come together and pray. And when you're ready to worship, let us worship together. But let's, in the presence of God, worship him and pray to him in spirit and in truth. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, laying down my life and following His way, giving up my pride and shame to devote myself.
stubbornness and to look to you and to trust in you then only then only our names will be changed from Jacob to Israel Israel meaning the people of God his people but we go from our old life to our new life we are no longer the same person same individual that I once was but I'm a new created being Even though, God, today I may walk with a limp. I may have this thorn on my side. Lord, we understand. It is in my weakness where you are sufficient. It is your grace that is sufficient for me and for this church. We walk in humility here today. And we crawl today in humility. And just the voices. Can we just sing verse 1 and verse 2? And then we'll end it with a chorus. Let's just really understand the meaning of the words of the song and worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then I'll finish and close up in prayer. Let's sing together. Laying down my life. Laying down my life and following His way. Giving up my pride and shame To devote myself to you As he lives in me I will look to him alone The Lord's hands are working inside of me Change my heart, Jesus, to have your heart. What you want me to do, I will do. I will follow the way of the cross. to do what you want me to do.
it came down in humility and gave himself for me. I surrender my life to you. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Heavenly Father, we put ourselves in the right perspective in this life. Lord, we humble ourselves. We admit today that, God, that we are not that great, that we are not that important. But, Lord, you love us, and you honor us. And, Lord, you lift us up when we fall, when we have fallen down. So, God, with humility, we get back up. Even when we're in a place of a successful place, or even in a place of defeated place, we humble ourselves. and give you all the glory and all the honor and we worship you in spirit and in truth whether we have everything in need or whether we are in need Lord may we humble ourselves and declare Jesus you are our Lord and our King we thank you we love you pray all these things in your precious son just cause we pray and all of God's people pray Amen 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 Amen, amen. All right, with that, let's close the service with our final closing song, The Path of Life in Jesus. And then let's close with the benediction. Let's sing together.
Let's close the service with the benediction. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he continue to work within us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people, we pray, amen and amen. amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.